Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Just a small warning here at the top of the podcast. Normally, we like to keep our podcast family friendly, but today's subject, uh, there are going to be a few things that we talk about that are going to be a little bit hard to hear and might not be totally family friendly. Um, but I really believe that we need to talk about them um, because what we are seeing in Afghanistan is on purpose and it is a result of incompetence. As a general rule, the left hates the military. Their first knee-jerk reaction is to try to talk everything out. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a time and a place for diplomacy, but that is not the only action that we should take. There is a time and a place for the military. They usually see no need for the military. And if we just understand our enemy better and show them that we care about them, then they won't want to kill us or torture us, right? I mean, we saw that after 9-11 and, and the towers falling and the attacks there. The, the, the cry that came up from the left was, what did we do that would cause them to do that to us? We need to understand them better. We need to understand what made them so mad and what made them want to do that to us, right? That was the mantra. The problem is that that like most liberal philosophies, it goes against human nature and reality. There comes times when there is no other option other than a military option. Otherwise, evil will just take over. The world is that we live in is not heaven, and it is by far not perfect, right? It is heavily influenced by the enemy. Combined with the selfishness of our human nature, it can lead to so many terrible events and has led to so many terrible events. One of the blessings that we have in this country is that we have the greatest military on the face of the planet. We have this because of many factors, really. Number one, the size of our country. We and we have a, an enormous sized country and and the resources that we have within our borders that are available to us. So for instance, if we were some little tiny country on you know the, the tip of, of Africa or something, then we would not really have the ability to have such a military that we that we have here in this country. But because we have the landmass that we have, and because we have the resources available, we're able to put together a, a military the size of the one that we have. Not just even in size, but just even in technology and in, and in capability and scope. Number two, we have this military because of the type of economy that we have that promotes innovation and competition. We, we have the, the, the techno, technologically, we have the, the best military as well. The, the things that we can do as a military are just mind-blowing in, in, in many instances. And number three, I would say that we have God's blessing. 
So we have a military simply because we've been blessed by God. We we help support Israel. We uh, we we have been uh, a nation that that has put God uh, at the forefront of a lot of things. Um, less so now, obviously, but but we've been blessed by God, and 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 He has protected us. And the military is one of the ways that that has been done. Because of our military might, we have been able to respond to any circumstance anywhere in the world almost immediately. We've provided humanitarian help around the world. We've we've put a stop to uh, you know uh, countries that and dictators that want to to just take over and 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 kill whole um, races of people. One of the hard rule policies that we have had in this country for a long time was that we don't negotiate with terrorists. If you're in the, the, the mindset that a terrorist is, that, that you, you're, you're okay with terrorizing a whole group of people with death and violence, then, then you are someone who cannot be trusted. So it doesn't matter what you negotiate. You won't hold up your end of the agreement anyway. So why negotiate with you? We don't negotiate with terrorists. But President Trump negotiated a withdrawal of all American military personnel from Afghanistan. He promised to do that on the campaign trail. And whether this was a good idea or not, it happened. But as we've seen time and time again, the old rule held fast and the Taliban did not hold up their end of the bargain. And this made the agreement void. In fact, Trump didn't even bring the Taliban to Washington because they were already breaking their end of the, of the agreement. Well, President Biden decided that you know, it did not matter what the Taliban would do. We, we were going to pull our military out of the country and let the chips fall as they may. Again, whether this was a good decision or not, it is what happened. And how he chose to do it showed a whole new level of incompetence. This incompetence has consequences. This is what we are seeing now because of the current administration's complete incompetence. And as reported in the Daily Wire by John Brown, he said, Afghanistan Christians are reportedly fleeing to the mountains in a desperate attempt to escape the Taliban, who is going door to door trying to kill them. An underground church that partners with Frontier Alliance International, the FAI, has reported that the Taliban is targeting Christians for death. The Taliban, according to FAI, has a hit list of known Christians that are target that, that they're targeting on purpose to kill. The US embassy is defunct. That $700 million building is defunct. And there is no longer a safe place for believers to take refuge. All borders to neighboring countries are closed and all flights to and from have been halted, obviously with the exception of a few private planes here or there that can get in and out. Now, people are fleeing into the mountains looking for asylum. They are fully reliant on God at this point, who is the only one 
who can and will protect them. Now, the Taliban is going door to door, taking women and children. The people must mark their houses with an X. So if you're in Afghanistan, you own a place in, in Afghanistan, you have to mark your house with an X if, if you have a girl over 12 years old. And they do this so that the Taliban can then take them. So if you have an ex on your house, outside your house, they will come in and they will take your daughter who is at least 12 or older. And if they can find a young girl and the house is not marked with that ex, then they will execute the entire family. If a married woman, 25 or, or older, I, I've seen... Um, reports up to 29, uh, so it kind of depends on uh, what part what part of the Taliban is is uh, uh, is is taking over your end of things. If a married woman is 25, 29, whatever has has been found, the Taliban promptly kill her husband and do whatever they want with her, and then they sell her as a sex slave or whatever. This is what's happening all across Afghanistan currently. Now, husbands and fathers have given their wives and daughters guns and told them that when the Taliban come, they can choose to kill them or kill themselves. It is their choice. The Taliban are also reportedly uh, rifling through people's phones to look for any apps that would give them away as a Christian. Uh, quote, we are hearing from reliable sources and, and, I, and I would even say multiple sources. I've seen this uh, multiple sources saying that, um, that the Taliban demand people's phones. If they find a downloaded Bible on their device, they, they will kill you immediately right there on the spot. And this is from Dr. Rex Rogers, who is president of the Christian nonprofit organization SAT7 North America, uh, according to a uh, religious uh, religion news service. Quote, it's incredibly dangerous right now for Af Afghans to have anything Christian on their phones. The Taliban have spies and informants everywhere, he said. He also said, because it's so dangerous to seek the company of other Christians, many Afghan believers are totally alone at this point, with not even one other Christian with whom to talk. He says, our local director told me most dare not attend a house church. They're alone, fearful, and looking to us. We're their last resort, he said. Now, according to a video released by FAI, a member of the underground church in Afghanistan wept as he described the situation unfolding as the Taliban quickly resumes their reign of power. Quote, we are unable to control our emotions because we've worked so hard for 20 years, the man said, whose grief was apparent despite his blurred face and, and uh, disguised voice. Quote, all of our work over the past 20 years has been lost overnight. Only God understands how much pain we have and how broken our hearts are. We are not crying out of fear but because our hearts ache for our beautiful country, it has now been destroyed by this savage extremist group. Now, he also is claiming that the, the whole world has abandoned us. The man went on 
went on to assert that, quote, we are not leaving the field. We will fight harder and will continue in God's work. He also said, I'm, I'm sorry I cried and became emotional. He said, my, my heart hurts. Evangelical pastors, uh, grassroots leaders, and, and faith-based refugee uh, resettlement organizations in, in the United States have uh, exonerate, uh, exhorted the Biden administration for the humanitarian crisis left in the wake of its botched exit from Afghanistan, and according to the, the Christian Post. Uh, quote, there is no question this whole withdrawal has been grossly mishandled and and for a rare moment in time, people on both sides of the political aisle are in agreement on this. Pastor Greg Laurie of, of Harvest Christian Fellowship said in a statement, I quote, I would ask that we all specifically remember to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in, in Afghanistan right now. A relief organization working in the region is warning of, an, of increased attacks on Christians across Afghanistan. They said anyone identifying as Christians could be killed for their faith and they are uh, and that they risk betrayal of falling victim to a an honor killing by their own family members. Uh, it's it, it is just so bad at this point and there's so many things that are wrong uh, with what's happening. Uh, but there is some good news. I, I want to interject some good news. Uh, an unstoppable media ministry in the Middle East is providing to be a lifeline for isolated Christians in Afghanistan as the resurgent Taliban go door to door executing the believers who refuse to renounce their faith. Sat seven pars live satellite television broadcasts in Farsi, um, which is of course understood by most Afghans, and the local Dari language can reach home uh, homes across the entire country uncensored, delivering the only source of hope for thousands of isolated Afghan Christians living in terror. The channel's social media and live chat um, platforms have. Uh, experience a huge surge in the number of Afghans posting messages and calling the ministry's uh, viewer counseling line. Um, desperate for encouragement and hope is, is what they are. And the channel uh, expects a 50% increase in context just this year. Um, and, and you see, God's love is visible here. M- many women who've become Christians through the, the, the media ministry, including those who've battled depression and even uh, attempts at suicide, are offering inside information and encouragement on, on air to other women who are terrified of the Taliban and its oppressive ideology. Uh, quote, they're saying we've trusted in God's um, providence and protection. And you can too, because God loves you and cares about you, Roger said. They remind them that Jesus said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's, of course, from John 16, 33. Uh, He said there are no borders to our visible message of God's love and hope. They are leaving Afghanistan right now, but we are there on air, and we will remain there. Now, launched 25 years ago, this Sat7 shows now reach more than 25 million viewers across the Middle East and North Africa in three different languages, the Arabic, Farsi, and Turkish. 
Um, and and they, they're encouraging people in places like Afghanistan, Iran, Syria, and, and programs uh, presented uh, in, in Middle East uh, Christian addressing real life issues is what is what they say. Uh, church leaders are now starting to speak up, which is really nice. Um, Jack, uh, Pastor Jack Graham uh, of um, Prestonwood Baptist Church in, in Plano, Texas, asserted that Americans deserve answers on how our leaders allowed this collapse in Afghanistan to take over um, and, and take over by the Taliban and unfolding humanitarian crisis. After in, imploring members of the Texas delegation uh, in the U.S. Uh, House of Representatives to seek answers. Graham asked the people, the American people, to pray for our military and American and Afghan citizens. Uh, Reverend, uh, Reverend Samuel uh, Rodriguez, the president of Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference and the lead pastor of New Season Church in Sacramento, characterized the withdrawal from Afghanistan as a shameful affront to the God-given rights of Afghan people, especially its women and girls. And he calls on Biden to regain control of the situation immediately and take responsibility for the overwhelming human cost imposed by the failure. And I I will say here, I mean, we have the ability to do that. We have the ability to remain, uh, regain control of Afghanistan. We have the ability to, to do it militarily. We don't have the will to do that under the current administration that we have in office. The leader of the, the World Evangelical Alliance, a, a network of evangelical churches in more than 100 countries, representing over 600 million Christians, said this, women who will be among those who have most to lose will likely, again, be prevented from enjoying basic rights, including uh, education, professional careers, and even freedom to move around on their own. Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes, a grassroots movement that encourages Christians in America to vote in every election, called on Christians to pray intensely and unceasingly for all vulnerable people whose whose fates rest in the hands of their oppressors, while maintaining that, quote, it didn't have to be this way. It's... And, and, and that's what it boils down to. It didn't have to be this way. And, and, I, and I will, I, I'm going to play for you a few clips here. This is an interview that President Biden did with ABC News and Stephanopoulos. And, 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 and it just shows the level of incompetence that is just mind-blowing. It really is. And, and like, for instance, here, listen, listen to this. Back in July, you said a Taliban takeover was highly unlikely. Was the intelligence wrong, or did you downplay it? There was no consensus. You go back and look at the intelligence reports. They said that it was more likely to be sometime by the end of the year. You didn't put a timeline out when you said it was highly unlikely. You just said flat out it's highly unlikely the Taliban would take over. Yeah. Well, the question was whether or not it... The idea that the Taliban would take over was premised on the notion that the uh, somehow the 300,000 troops we had trained and equipped was going to just collapse. They were going to give up. I don't think anybody anticipated that. How did no one anticipate the Taliban taking over Afghanistan? How did no one anticipate that? 
Of course they anticipated that. He was asked several times by the media about it before the withdrawal. And and his own generals are admitting that they advised Biden against this kind of action. Everybody knew this was what was going to happen. Everybody knew that, that it would go down this way if this is the path he chose. Truth is that he thought there would be a political gain in the decision that he made, and he didn't care what would happen. And, and, and to be honest with you, he still doesn't care. He still doesn't care what is happening here. And, and, and I'll prove that. In fact, even listen to this next clip. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a fair, look, it was a simple choice, George. When the Taliban, uh, let me back it, put it another way. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country, when you saw the significant collapse of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, over, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off, that was, you know, I'm not, this, it, it, that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. Wasn't a failure? It, it, did you hear that? It wasn't a failure. He's saying this, what's happening in, in Afghanistan because of, of his decisions, his arrogance, his incompetence, it isn't a failure. Okay. And then when... <laughs> When right after he said this isn't a failure, he goes on to say, but this non-failure <laughs> is a result of the Afghans. That's that's why this is uh, not a failure. It's it's the Afghans. They're they're the problem because they were trained to rely on America, right, Joe? America abandoned them. They trained them to rely on us. They trained them to rely on our air support. They trained them to, to, to use our military tactics and, and rely on us to support them. And then we abandoned them. It's not their fault for this failure or this non-failure, you want to call it. So then he's, he, he's thinking, okay, well, it's, this non-failure is a result of Trump then, right? Well, he's saying it's because of the negotiated deal which of course there wasn't one. There was a negotiated deal that didn't last. It barely even got started because the Taliban didn't hold up their side of the deal. But Biden decided, oh, I'm going to use that and I'm going to then take our troops out and say, it's Trump's fault that things go bad. But things haven't gone bad because it's not a failure. You're not making sense, Joe. And you're not making sense with this next one either. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Look, George, the reason why it's been stable for a year is because the last president said, we're leaving. And here's the deal I want to make with you, Taliban. We're agreeing to leave if you agree not to attack us between now and the time we leave on May the 1st. Less than two months after I was elected to office, I was sworn in, all of a sudden, I have a May 1 deadline. I have a May 1 deadline. I got one of two choices. 
Do I say we're staying? And do you think we would not have to put a hell of a lot more troops? We had, a, we had hundreds, we had tens of thousands of troops there before. Tens of thousands. Do you think we would have, that we would have just said no problem? Don't worry about it. We're not going to attack anybody. We're okay. In the meantime, the Taliban was taking territory all throughout the country in the north and down in the south in the Pashtun area. So would you have withdrawn troops like this even if President Trump had not made that deal with the Taliban? I would have tried to figure out how to withdraw those troops, yes. Okay, so which is it? Because you can't have it both ways. I know he's a politician. I know he speaks out of both sides of his mouth, but you can't have it both ways. All right? Which is it? Is it, was it a bad deal that Trump negotiated and you had to somehow keep it going because you didn't do anything else Trump wanted? And you're going to keep this going and you're going to withdraw our troops, not the way Trump would have done it, but you're just going to like take the military out and leave everybody else there? I mean, we have thousands of people, thousands of Americans in country right now that can't get out. So which is it? It what, Was it a bad deal or would you have still withdrawn? Were your hands tied by some non-existent deal that you were going to withdraw the, the troops anyway? Why, why would we have to send more troops into Afghanistan? You're saying I would have had to have sent thousands into Afghanistan. Why? We had not lost a single person in Afghanistan for eight, the last 18 months. We had a small contingent of basically advisors there of less than probably 2,500 people. But somehow you're going to have to send people in there? Why? What would be the cause for that? Let's listen to another one. We spent over a trillion dollars, George. 20 years. There was no good time to leave. But if there's no good time, if you know you're going to have to leave eventually, why not have the, everything in place to make sure Americans to get out, to make sure our Afghan allies get out, so we don't have these chaotic scenes in Kabul? Number one, as you know, the intelligence community did not say back in June or July that, in fact, this was going to collapse like it did. Number one. They thought the Taliban would take over, but not this quickly. But not this quickly, not even close. We had already issued several thousand um, uh, uh, passports to the, the SIVs, the people, the, 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 the translators, when I came into office before we had negotiated getting out at the end of uh, 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 August. Secondly, we we're in a position where what we did was we took precautions. That's why I authorized that there be 6,000 American troops to flow in to accommodate this exit, number one. And number two, provided all that aircraft in the Gulf to get people out. We pre-positioned all of that, anticipated that. Now, granted, it took two days to take control of the airport. We have control of the airport now. Still a lot of pandemonium outside the airport. Well, there is, but look, but no one's being killed right now. God forgive me if I'm wrong about that, but no one's being killed right now. No one is being killed right now. Knock on wood. That's terrible. What are you saying? How can you say no one is being killed right now? They are being shot in the streets. They are being killed in their own homes. Families are being slaughtered. People are falling from our aircraft. But yet, no one's being killed right now. Here's another one. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen 
Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. Yeah, this one gets me <laughs> when he says, that is so ancient history. <laughs> We're talking four and five days ago. So, you know, we, we can't, we, we can't go back four or five days. Pe the people who died then, you know, they're, they're, I'm sure they're alive now. I, this, this, this is the ramblings of somebody who does not have the, 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 the mental capacity to be a dog catcher, let alone president of the United States and leader of the free world. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? What I thought was we're, we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. And we did. But you don't think this could have been handled, this actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look, but the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. So for you, that was always priced into the decision? Yes. So here's the question. Why are we having to take control of the airport again? because you just turned and ran, abandoning everyone there. We had control of the country. We had military bases there. You shut the lights off. You turned and ran, leaving billions of dollars of our military equipment to the Taliban, not telling the Afghan army even, they didn't find out for hours after we turned the lights out and closed the door. All right? Why do we have to take control of the airport again? Because we gave it up to the Taliban. So you, you knew there would be chaos, you say. You knew there would be chaos and you did nothing about it because you didn't believe you can do anything about it. You, we, he's, he sounds so weak here and we are not a weak country. We have a weak leader. All troops are supposed to be out by August 31st. Even if Americans and our Afghan allies are still trying to get out, they're going to leave. We're going to do everything in our power to get all Americans out and our allies out. Does that mean troops will stay beyond August 31st if necessary? It depends on where we are and whether we can get ramp these numbers up to five to 7,000 a day coming out. If that's the case, be, they'll all be out. Because we've got like 10 to 15,000 Americans in the country right now, right? And are you committed to making sure that the troops stay until every American who wants to be out yes. is out? Yes. How about our Afghan allies? Does the commitment hold for them as well? The commitment holds to get everyone out that, in fact, we can get out and everyone should come out. And that's the objective. That's what we're doing now. That's the path we're on. And I think we'll get there. So Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops if, will if stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if, they're American force, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. Did you hear that? Did you hear how hard it was to get him to guarantee that we will leave troops there until all Americans are out?
he didn't say that all of those that helped us will get out as well. He, th- this, this is amazing. And, and it's not just Biden. It's not just him. It's his administration. It's his closest advisors. It's his generals. These, th- this, this administration is awful. And it's showing just how awful it is in this instance. And this this is a sorry display of just total incompetence. And people are paying for it with their lives. We can't ignore it any longer. And and by the way, where is Kamala Harris? She, She said she was the last one in the room when the decision was made to do this. And she is supposed to be the champion of women's rights. And she is nowhere to be found. She is literally MIA. Where are these women right organizations who who were up in arms when uh, when we see the Me Too movement come around, or uh, we have some Supreme Court justice they don't like? Um, where where are these women's rights organizations? I mean, we have we have women who need help. We need women who are being terrorized and shot in the streets. Where are they? Wouldn't this be something that you could grab onto easily as a women's rights issue? This is pathetic. And we, as the American voters, need to do something about it. And there is no time to delay. And if you're a Christian, if you are a believer in Christ, and you, and I would encourage you right now to pray. Pray for the people of, of Afghanistan. Pray for not just the Christians there, not just the Americans trapped. I, I would pray for everyone involved there. Pray for them. This is a situation that needs a little bit of God intervention, in my opinion. Now, you may agree and you may disagree. I would love to hear from you. And you can always go to UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications. 